Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Morning of Podcast. The only rugby podcast to give you all the news, views, and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, or with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Morning of Podcast, Morning Rugby Podcast on Facebook. Uh, we're on Anchor and Apple Pods and Google Store and all that sort of shit. Um, and we have a, another rugby podcast that most of you already listen to. So uh, we're back this week, twice, twice in a week almost, pre and post week. 14? Oh, I don't even know what fucking week of the Premiership it is. I don't even know what you're saying. No, just like talking. Just talking, mate. Um, as you can tell, I'm joined by the Lensman. It's just a two of us at the moment, which is uh, which will be interesting until Ben gets here to add some sense to proceedings. Um, we'll have a quick chat about last weekend's action. Doug was uh, at Worcester, now gainfully employed. Uh, as well as seeing a few other bits and pieces, now that all rugby matches are on the television. Rog. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll have a look forward to the weekend. See if there's going to be any difference. See how the the shakeup's going to go down, and and take it from there. Um, why don't we start with uh, with the game you were at? What was it like? Yeah. It was a bit bit odd, I guess, an empty stadium. No, well, mate, look, I've been doing the Premiership football. A couple yeah. of games of Premiership football, so I sort of knew what the no crowd thing was all about. Um, look, to me, it doesn't really bother me. I, I actually quite like it with no crowd. I can get in and out of the ground. I don't have to sit in traffic. It's uh, it's banging. Long may it continue. <laughs> Let I tell you and if, what. If if fans want to help their clubs out, just send them a fiver in the post every Saturday. I tell you what. Long may continue. Um, Duncan wears hair. That long way. Oh, continue. just an absolute scandal. Uh, although I read today that apparently he's doing it for charity. Growing it out. That, that's, that's, I mean, it's it's commendable whatever he's doing it for. But even so, it's it's an incredible piece of uh, genetic it's, in, it's ingenuity. Fair. I don't understand how a man that looks like that has hair like that, and is from the place he's from. 
<laughs> How has Duncan Weir got a mousy brown afro? Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. Yes, exactly, exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Um, you mentioned you did a bit of Premiership football while you were on lock, uh, well, whilst uh, when fans weren't allowed back in the stadiums there. Uh, and you also mentioned that you know, having played some local league football, that even at Premiership level, all of the standard cliches were still there. Um, the shouts that you hear on, on the sidelines of every Sunday league football match up and down the country. Um, similar to rugby? Is it, all, is it all still the same? I guess you hear I, a bit I more. I don't actually know, mate, because I, I was on the gantry for that. Uh, right. So I, I couldn't really hear the players because uh, obviously all the, all the stiffs sit underneath the gantry in the yeah, stand. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't really hear it. Um, but you, I mean, in fairness, you, we usually hear a lot more through the ref mic anyway, don't we? So we can hear yeah, some of those yeah, uh, yeah. standard I, shouts. Yeah, I think um, I've, I've played a lot less rugby than you, Russ. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the cliches as well as you do. I know the cliches really well for football because I've done most of them a lot. Um, well, the old, the old, get his hands off it. Get his yeah. hands off it. He's holding me. He's holding me. Yeah. Um, All of that sort of shit. All of that stuff. Yeah. Um, he's holding. He's holding. You know. Uh, yeah. Like, Let it go, ref. Come on, sir. Yeah. Sir. Yeah. Sir. Don't even know what they're shouting for. Just sir. Just shouting, sir. That's Just all shouting, they're doing. Sir. Yeah. Um, whereas with the football ones, I know what the football cliche shouts are. So, um, yeah. As with most of the games this weekend, I think there was just a lot of shit rugby. There uh, was a lot of general rust in this one there. Yeah, look, I mean, cut cut to the chase of this game. Um, had you, your man not been sent off, Worcester were looking pretty tidy. And I think Gloucester um, were, not, were not so great. But And it is one of the few sendings off that as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, dude you're gone mate what are you even waiting for because it was it was pointless it was it was pointless um bad technique just just bad everything really and if if he had have um sure if he'd be given that game again he wouldn't have done it i, I just don't i don't understand what what it is he's trying to do no uh, and he and he's basically hit johnny may on the swede <laughs> well, that's the, the the long and short of it isn't it yeah um, yeah, it's, it's it's an odd one, isn't it? Because in a lot of these cases, you you kind of you can kind of understand what the player in question is trying to achieve. Yeah, you know what? You know they may have got it horrifically wrong, but at least you can see a little bit of method in it. Yeah. But Nanai on Saturday, it was it was just the weird. It was one of the weirdest like straight reds I've I've seen. I I just don't know what he was trying to achieve. Because he, he he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna hit the guy hard enough to turn the ball dislodge or turn the ball I just, over. I just don't know what it what he what he meant by that. No. <laughs> um, I'd love to ask him. I'd love to, <laughs> Mister uh, yeah, Nanai, sir. Um, what do we mean by that? <laughs> just, what were uh, you trying to achieve? Yeah. Uh, I, 
do you, do do you feel silly, Mister Nano, sir? <laughs> Nana sounds like fucking endubs in it. Nana, nai. <laughs> apparently, apparently, that's what. Yeah, that's what I thought. I don't really know, to be honest. Um, yeah, so we might be getting Ben with us in a second. That'll be interesting. Um, anybody particularly stand out in in the game for you? Anybody? Uh, um, well, um, no. Reece Zamet came on and, and was decent. Uh, Ollie Thorley was decent. Uh, the the Gloucester pack obviously doesn't look as good. Um, you know why would it? They've lost a lot of a lot of tonnage from that that pack. Um, Worcester wise, they've they've got potential there. I think. Billy Searle started the match. Duncan Weir came on. That's how did how did how did Billy Searle play? It's probably the it's kind of the weakest area for Worcester. Isn't yeah, it? I think you know they've got two fly halves who are sort of one A one B. Which, to use an American football saying, if you've got two quarterbacks, you haven't got a quarterback. Um, yeah, that that that's the one area of their game of their squad that I think they need to uh, address. They because... they've always lacked really that sort of field general, I guess. You yeah. know, like John O'Lance was a good player, but he spent a lot of time injured and he was, you know, he, he still wasn't that sort of player. You know, like, a, how dare I say, someone like a, a Freddie Burns or a, some someone that has been a, a very good fly half at some point knows how to move a team around a pitch, kicks decent goals, and is is a general sort of well there isn't isn't a uh, isn't a focus point for opposition attack. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think Billy Sir will be. I'm not sure that you know Duncan Weir's not as bad. Billy Sir might be a bit more mercurial than Duncan Weir. I think Duncan Weir's a pretty much by the numbers yeah by half. But um yeah, that's the one area they 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 need to address um, if they want to sort of move up the ladder, so to speak. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, I th- think. Yeah, they've 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 got a good platform. I think their their pack um, is decent. Um, I really like Ethan Waller. I you know he's an ex Saints player. Don't hold that against me for liking him but I, th- I do think he's a decent player I just think he's you know someone that is a jobbing premiership prop um, and their yeah. second well their back row I love I love Sam Lewis I think he's brilliant um, Ted Hill Ted Hill's brilliant um, they've got uh, Kvesic back yeah I, I, I think that's that that's a, a good engine room. I think that, that that's a platform to build on. Um, I, I, I do think Sam Lewis is one of the most underrated players in the Premiership. Good, isn't he? I mean, yeah. he won't get he won't get a shot in Wales until he moves back to Wales. I guess, and I know all those. No, no, all those there's, no, there's so many ahead of him. I don't know how he. I, I, I just don't know how he um, overcomes the, the, the weight of numbers in front of him. Really. Uh, what well, uh, what about Gloucester? I mean, they ran out of comfortable winners in the end, but um, Thorley bagged a couple of tries. Singleton, um, 
Singleton played. Uh, got on the sheet. Obviously, you mentioned Reece Samet. Um, yeah, I, I can. I I do think Jack Singleton probably is one of the luckiest rugby players in the in the world. Really, I, I think he's massively overrated. It had problems with his line out. I don't think he's that brilliant in the loose. Uh, I, what do you want me to say? I think he's overrated. That's fine. Yeah. Good. Let's 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 move on. Welcome, Ben. You're here to add a Hi, little for. Little bit of something. Just got fifty percent more uh, more pleasant. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad. Just got back from Bristol. Had a nice oh, trip. Yeah. yeah. And had a lovely trip. Yeah. Three days of uh, eat out to help out. Barefoot. <laughs> drove barefoot all the way along the M5. Surrounded surrounded by Toblerone wrappers. Well, always. I'm always surrounded by Toborone rappers. Fantastic. Did you um did you get to watch any rugby over the weekend? You watched Bath versus London yeah, Irish? I saw the Bath game and I saw sort of decent chunks of most of the other games. I didn't see any of the game you were just talking about, so I'm glad you started with that one. Good. Um but um yeah, terrible games, weren't they? All in of them. In general. Yeah. I mean I didn't I didn't watch as much as I'd like to, but uh in general they were they were pretty average, and, and Doug mentioned that right at the start. It was, it was almost like every team had excessive amounts of rustiness, well, not yeah. helped by some uh, pretty pinnickety officiating in general. Well, yeah, they've yeah, been the, um... the, the off feet thing. It's like when they first got the high tackle high tackle directive. It was like, right, we're just going to ping everything and you know it was yeah laughable i think that will settle down in a few weeks and and i think the off feet thing is to stop them flying into rucks which obviously we've mentioned a few times before they need to sort of crack down on it was it was the people getting pinged for not rolling away you know sometimes they were just completely jammed in there but i think it was a bit of a perfect storm of very harsh refereeing probably no through through no fault of the referee it's been, been what they've told to do Plus, all that rustiness led to a lot of dick fingers. Um, so it was just very stop-start, Aerith, strewn of 30-plus penalties in some of those games. And, yeah. and, you know, some of them were bordering on unwatchable. And it, it very much came down to a sort of... It was sort of win a penalty, kick to halfway, win another penalty, kick into the 22, and then you either score or concede, give away a penalty. Concede a penalty, yeah. Yeah, and then it all started again. There was hardly any... Until the Saints game, the Saints game was um, there was a lot more rugby in that game, but you know it was it was very Saints, Saints struggled to try and glue it together though, didn't they? Yeah, I think um, was, a lot of things. Wasp row those laws suit them down to the ground, don't they? Or the, well, let's, the, let's, the, talk, the let's talk about though. that. Let's talk about yeah. that game now. Then let's while we've segued into it. Um, I didn't see it, but obviously, probably the most open game of the weekend and uh saints come out on the wrong end of it doug yeah like like but like i say i, I think it was um a symptom of try just just trying too much um just situations where just taking the contact going to ground recycling possession would have been uh the easy thing to do but we tried the offload or we tried to 
flick the ball inside or we tried to roll for the extra yard or we ran, ran into isolated contact. It, it was just a bit sort of 5% wasn't right there and it, it cost Saints during the game. Yeah, I think that was the first game that I saw where you could have actually said the centres, it was worth them actually changing up. Um, and Saints did get their centres involved a bit, but one of the sort of side effects of the interpretation of the laws was if you got isolated any any distance wide, then you pretty much were guaranteed to get turned over or a penalty against you. Um, so I think the way Saints play maybe... Um, played into Wasp's hands a little bit. Um, but take nothing against Wasp's back row. They were excellent. Yeah. And and um, your man, Willis? Not Willis. Jack Willis. Yeah. Jack Willis, yeah. What Bruce. a player that got. He is just brilliant. I was watching the game with a Wasps fan, actually. And, you know, he, he was... He just said every time Willis was over the ball, turnover. As soon as he, as soon as he clocked, it was Willis going in the breakdown it was yeah turnover just couldn't shift him and he's so quick he 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 latches on at the ball and moves it before you've got time to cover it up and then the player's instinct is to grab him with the ball yeah and then that's the turnover one you know he reminds me of like me all yeah all like say the best bits of sam underhill and ben curry and sorry tom curry um, with regards to the, the strength at the breakdown, the speed, the awareness, you know, Underhill is very, very good at what he does. He jackals, he tackles, whereas Curry's a little bit more wily, I think, than Underhill and, and plays his um, sort of situations a bit better. But what I've seen from what I've seen from Willis and obviously before he got that injury at the start of was at the start of last season, they were tipping him for a World Cup place, weren't they? So yeah. before, maybe sort of the end of the season before, if that was the case. Um, or, yeah, no, because that's flat me. I don't even know what I'm talking about now. The World Cup was technically this season, wasn't it? <laughs> if yeah, that makes yeah it was. Yeah. So, in, in, in year one, pre-COVID. Yeah, God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one PC. In- BC, one before COVID. One before COVID. Um, There there were tips for him picking up England honours, weren't they, and potentially going to the World Cup. And then he got that um, knee injury about the sort of same time as Sam Simmons did, didn't he? I think it was. And uh, they were both ruled out pretty much for the same time. And I think, obviously, England, (laughs) England are in no shortage of strength and depth in the back row at the moment especially at flanker but he he looks as though he's going to be right in the mix and, and could well be looking at something in the autumn yeah i mean um i think he's he's going to be a definite to get a cap at some stage i think he suits eddie jones a lot more than simmons does um if we're talking about england flankers we should probably mention if you haven't already jack clifford being forced to retire yeah, that's a um, shame. Is, um, he, he was he was the captain of the under twenty side that featured Sinclair and Noel and Slate yeah. and the likes. And he was, you know, he was meant to. He was an he was a fantastic player, a really good player, and never really got the the accolades that he deserved. I mean, he won a few England caps, didn't he? But he was 
kind of perennially, perennially injured. He's the most capped, undefeated England player. Well, there you go. Really? That's great, great stat, Ben. Where did you pick that oh, one up? Did... I nicked it off someone on Twitter. It was doing the rounds. Ten caps, no defeats. Well, we, we, we'll talk about Twitter later, I'm sure. But um, one, one of my favourite um, Harlequins, which isn't hard because they're an unlikable bunch, but... <laughs> <laughs> red, red shells, red chinos, and um, gingham, gingham, gingham shirts. Yeah, he he was don't, just don't knock either of those uh, things. <laughs> every, every, everything that's um, everything you think about uh, a back row player was Jack Clifford. Uh, always looked messy. Was in there or thereabouts at every breakdown. Was a bit of a nose to play against, I'm sure, but just just busy and it it show it just shows you just what a brutal game it is when players like that have to retire at 27 yeah i Extremely. mean a professional footballer that has to retire at 27 you basically have to have your leg amputated true true story um one thing i did want to pick up on about the uh the wasps saints game or saints wasps game was uh some standard Twitter fury regarding uh, Naivaro, who uh, obviously deliberately kicked or tried to kick um, just, Joe Lord. Malicious, Ross. Malicious. He is a horrible, nasty individual, that Naivaro. Yeah. Have you ever seen anything more ridiculous? Uh, yeah, every week on Twitter. It's, you know, why would we think anything different would ever happen? That, just, that's true. Just some absolute... Johnny on Twitter giving it red, giving red it lemons up. about how how Nairavoro is trying to stamp um, Joe Launchbury's eyes at, through the back of his head. Like, yeah. get over yourself. I, I've had a nice four months without having to listen to that shit. It wouldn't have been. I mean, rugby was was really quiet over the weekend. Rugby Twitter was really quiet over the weekend, wasn't it? Apart from. Then when Sunday afternoon rolled round, there was no, with especially with all the games being on telly, you would have thought, oh, there would have been all the the Twitter noises out and about with their own, oh, we've got to cite this and oh, what about yeah. that and oh, that's a snazzy cardigan, and um, <laughs> oh, that's a nice, that one smells, well, I don't know, basil, basil, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it took all the way to the last game on Sunday afternoon for someone to go, oh, you should be cited. And if anybody has ever been tackled, especially if someone is, if you're running forward and someone's grabbing hold of your legs, it is a very natural thing to do to try and shake those people off. And by shaking them off, it, you know, you're trying to sort of push them, aren't you, with your legs. Um, in no way, shape or form is he deliberately trying to kick Joe Lordsbury in the face. And I think the fact that the the reaction or lack of it from Joe Launchbury was was that's enough, you know. How, that's usually how you can tell. It's the measure, isn't it? I the, think you, uh, to to stamp directly on someone's face in that circumstance, you have to be a fairly significant type of psychopath. He was three um, yards in front of him. How can yeah. you? He, he couldn't stamp because a stamp is a downwards motion. He was just trying to free his foot from the clinches of a big gargoyled man Gar- gargoyled yeah he's not the prettiest is he joe lordsbury let's be fair 
<laughs> Still a good player, though. He was one of the players over the weekend that that you thought didn't look rusty. I thought he just looked like like himself. Um, whereas a lot of players, there was there was a lot of bad hands going around, wasn't there? Phallus digits everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you where there was a lot of phallus digits, and that was in the first game of the weekend on uh, on Friday night at Harlequins. Um, everybody was building it up to look at the look at this new sale side. Look at it packed with seven thousand South Africans, um, littered with uh, a couple of Englishmen, Manu Tuilagi, um, and Sam Hill started in the centres. Tom Curry started like a steam train. He got two or three turnovers in the first ten minutes. It was fantastic to see um the the Dupria brothers who were basically like Huey Dewey and Louie from uh from from the DuckTales um Robert Dupria had an absolute shit show with the boot it was he was so bad like just before the half he missed basically missed one from bang in front he then missed one from probably even closer minutes into the second half and Steve Diamond gave him the old butcher's hook. Literally, <laughs> missed, he missed a kick, and within seconds, AJ McGinty was on the pitch. Um, but I mentioned Tuolangi there. I doubt he had the ball in hand more than two or three times across the entire 80 minutes. Ben, you mentioned about centres getting in the game. I mean, it was a shit game, and it was, um, I think it was Luke Pierce. It was very stop start, and it was just a, a right nightmare. But Sale just could not get going at all. Um, Landano, Langiano, the, and Marcus Smith played really well for Quinns. Uh, they didn't let um, Sale settle at all. But it, I was really, really surprised at actually how poor Sale were in general. I was expecting, you know, Harlequins aren't aren't the best side. Yes, they turned sides over at home. Um, I think this weekend Sale at against Exeter at Sale will be a completely different proposition. But of all the teams that I expected to hit the ground running, Sale were were one of them. They were flying high going into lockdown. Um, as I say, it's only really it was it was uh, Tuilagi and Hill in the centres that that were the only kind of new newbies as it were and they just they didn't even use them it was it was a really really strange situation and diamond giving away he said about they gave away something like 10 penalties or 11 penalties in the first half and you know that's just for sale there, there were probably seven for quins and it just ruined any sort of flow of the game and i guess that again we we talked about that being a bit of a theme as we ran through the weekend is is um, what you're saying that um, international centres are um, Steve Diamond's version of tungsten tip screws? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> um, let's have a bit of a chat then, Ben, about Bath versus London Irish. A uh, bit of a new look, Bath. Ben Spencer starting at nine. Impressive. Yeah, he made a really good start. Um, Scored a try in the first. Yeah, I mean he's got a very good as well, isn't it? Yeah, very good try scoring record, and um, he's a good finisher. And and basically they turn the ball over to him and let him score. But 
still got to be finished. Um, there's an authority to him. He's, you know, he's played in a European Cup winning side, and you know, if if the ball needs clearing, he he often takes responsibility for it with the box kick, and and he's very accurate with those because we know where he's been playing. Um, so I think he made a really good start. I think they'd be very pleased with him. Bath's pack did really well. Um, you know, of all the teams that were using their rolling malls, they were by far the most effective. I think three or four tries came from rolling malls, uh, all for the hookers. Um, again, they didn't really use their backs a lot, but um, there was a couple of flashes from Watson and Joseph. That was a brilliant finish. Um, but Irish were pretty, pretty easy to beat. Really, just uh, you know, they 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 played into into the script of it. You know, give away a penalty at the ruck, give away a penalty at the mall, batter in striking range again, and um, they'll certainly face more difficult tasks. I mean, that bath front five is is pretty decent, and with. With the back row, they've got the outside backs. You know, two half backs will make that a very good team. And I, they've got their scrum half. Jury's probably still out on Priestland, but they're, they're sniffing around fly halves, I believe. So nothing's going to happen this season, but next year, you never know with Bath. Faletau Underhill and, and um, Mercer is, is, is going to be great if they can keep that together for the bulk of the season. How did Josh McNally play? Good. Yeah. He got around well, made a few big hits. You know, he's a, it's a hardworking player, which works, works in that front five because that front five is doing a lot of grunt work. Um, Who was in, in there couple, with? St- oh, Ewell's. Ewell's. Yeah. Ewell's made his hundredth appearance and yeah, he put in a couple of decent hits. Um, Underhill put one in, which was penalised, which I thought was a bit of a ridiculous decision, but it didn't, you know, it was only a penalty. It wasn't anything else. Um, you know, Bath, I thought the the lad at uh, fullback uh, for Irish had a decent game, Parton. Tom Parton. Put in a, you put in a decent shift. You, you could almost say nine to five. Um, <laughs> oh, that is super. <laughs> I, I did. I, I just want to tell you to get out. How long? How how long? At what point over the weekend did you dream that up? Do you know and what? Then go. I I didn't say I didn't say that just to get that gag in. He genuinely did have a decent game. Um, um, but you know it 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 just spread through the team. Like it was a very lackadaisical performance. Like Loder, who looks a good player by the end, he was making silly mistakes. Um, it wasn't their best performance, but um, it it was a better performance than that joke. So we'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah, that might, might be worth it. Might be worth it. Um, I nobody. I don't think anybody watched the Exeter Leicester game. Probably one of the most uneventful games of the uh, of the weekend. Um, the only thing I will say is to annoy the uh, the Exeter Chiefs to change people. It seems that even in an empty stadium, they managed to play that tomahawk chop over the uh, over the PA system, which is a bit unnecessary. Um, and in a, in a place where they're getting pelters for for all the cultural appropriation and the disrespect and borderline racism, because apparently that's what it is, um, to play it over the the PA system, 
to an empty stadium is probably a bit much. I don't know. <laughs> don't know what you think about that, but you know, it's, it's, two it's fingers not up. ideal. It's, it's it's not even two fingers up. It's the middle finger up while while mooning. <laughs> yeah, on live television. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that was a a bad PR move. I would say. Um, no, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> more of it. In fact, I want more of it. Well, give the people what they love. Yeah. Um, and then at Ashton Gate. Did either of you watch any of uh, the Bristol Saris game, Ashton Gate? Yeah, more dick fingers. Sadly. I mean, just, I, just... I I I saw a chunk of the first half where. Um, Saracens were pretty much making life pretty awkward for Bristol um, and I think they were three points ahead um, but I didn't see the second half I think it I think there was a dramatic ending but I don't know there was a lot of uh, a lot of Bristol fans contacting me to pretty much saying they were the real deal and uh, I, I'm pretty convinced that um even with the players that have left, uh, a, a fully motivated Saracens would still have too much for Bristol. I don't know. I I think there's a bit of... Um, I, I think that's more likely what you're going to see from Saracens going forward. I know they were missing... What were they missing? Owen Farrell? Farrell and Daly, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the players that they've brought in to replace the other players that have left and who knows how many more are going to leave to be fair. You got to remember that when those England players are gone, that's a third of the season. Those England players miss. I think it's not going to be a walk in the park for Saracens when they come back. No, definitely isn't. No, I, I, I think you might be right, but I, I just think if, if, if this situation hadn't occurred and that was, Saracens in second against Bristol in third or fourth. It they would have even, found a way to win. Yes, subconsciously there'd have been an extra two or three percent there. I think um, that's not to take too much away from Bristol in themselves. And you know they had to win the game, and it is what it is. But I think to crown them champions for next year is probably a little bit early. What did you? Uh, what did you make of my semi? What do we make of your what? <laughs> Semi Redrada. Well, uh, I'd I'd like to point out, you know, that I said a lot of these flashy signings that clubs have made don't win championships, and I think that has been evidenced this week in that Carl Sinclair and Semi Redrada they they didn't exactly set the world on fire, did they? They're, you know, they're good players and they add to that squad, but I think uh, you know we're we're looking at players that tip you over the edge when the big games come but they're not they're not players that win games i don't well, i don't think any rugby player outside of a 10 wins a game on his own they're um they're putting out an interesting team uh this week aren't they uh have you seen it uh no. i have yeah so uh earl and malins are in malins is at fullback yeah Piertal's not even traveled is he i don't think no um, Randall and Thomas back to the bench. Um, but yeah, Hughes. That's Earl where the difference is. Lua is a decent. Is going to be, isn't he? I mean, we you just met, you mentioned Bath back row of Falatau, um, Underhill, and Mercer. We've got 
you know, Ewers and Vermeulen and Armand Exeter, for instance, you've got, um, oh, where are we with other back rows? Ja, gosh, there were loads on the tip of my tongue then and I've just lost them all. Um, but where the difference really lies now and where Bristol, I think, will be will be a lot stronger is within that strength and depth. So bringing in, so from having, I don't know, Vui and um, Luatua and Thomas and then having Earl who can play anywhere across that back row, bringing somebody like that in, as opposed to bringing in sort of an, an academy graduate or unless they are the likes of Sam Lewis or Ted Hill, you know, who are big players now for Worcester, you know, some some teams struggle with that level off the bench, which is what really sorts the wheat from the chaff. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think every team has got a good, real decent starting back row. You probably look at almost at least every team and go, that's a decent back row. I mean, um, Doug mentioned it earlier, but um, Kvesic and Hill. Yeah, Lewis, and, Lewis Hill, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, that's, that's a really good back row. Um, Gloucester are going out this week with Ackerman, Ludlow and Paledri. And, you know, again, you, you, you'd say that's a, that's a decent back row. That's, that's mobile and it's powerful. But they, they seem to have a lot of youngsters on the bench. Whereas, as you say, Gloucester, uh, Bristol have got Thomas as their, as their back row cover who started last week. So, yeah, you could be right there, Russ. I think, you know, strength in depth is... It does help if, if the Saracens players are being spread out along around the league, but that's still to pan out. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I think that's that's pretty much it, isn't it, from from the weekend? From the weekend just gone. Um, we've done Saints-Wasps. We've gone through the Saturday games and we spoke a bit about Sale and, um, and Quinns. Um, some other big news today. Bit of random news. I mean, when you think of all the referees that are on the, the books, is the um, the making redundant of JP Doyle, which seems a very strange decision. He's the only one. He's the only one who that I can see that has uh, that has suffered this fate. Could it be he's one of the higher paid ones, and they just decided to trim the wage bill, get some younger blood in? I mean, he's he's still a very good referee, isn't he? Who the no, yeah, I think that's exactly I, I right. I think they're making it up as they go along. Can I mean, I tell you, there doesn't seem to be a lot of redundancies from blokes who get expensive. 250 counts. grand a year. There doesn't seem to be a lot of accountants being made redundant at the RFU. Just people who actually improve rugby. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think if JP Doyle was refereeing a game, you could always be pretty sure it was going to flow pretty well. Um, I remember a few sort of high-profile games, sort of semi-finals and f- finals, um, where he's let it he's let it flow rather than referee the balls off it. Um, the game where Tom Youngs got punched um, years ago, he there were probably Celesi Mafu. Yeah, there must have been Premiership semi-final. Yeah, there must have been seven or eight incidents in that game where he could have. He could have kicked up a fuss, you know, red cards, yellow cards. But other than that one incident, everything was dealt with sensibly. Well, he dealt with that sensibly because he had no option. But 
you know, a lot of other, there could have been one or two other red cards where he looked at the video replay, showed a lot of empathy and, and, and kept the game going. Um, and I think he does that a lot. Sometimes, you know, I think Twitter doesn't like him quite as much because maybe there's a few inconsistencies inherent in that, but I've, I've always enjoyed rec games that he's refereed. So hopefully he, he's we'll very, get him back. Much, very much a common sense type of official, isn't he? Um, and he is a little bit of a character, not in the, the Nigel Owens. Uh, oh my God, that's horrific. Not in the Nigel Owens uh, view. What's that, Ben? You've just shown me. It's um, Bristol City's home and away shirts. Oh, crikey. show me that again. That Bristol can't be their actual... sh- home shirt. Should just be a red, red shirt. Which one is it? Which was the home shirt on the black, get, black spots? I think. Get too fuck. Bristol City <laughs> playing red and white. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. So it's, it's um, a I, shame. I would say that. Yeah, because I, I think everyone obviously loves uh, Wayne, but for me, JP Doyle is the best referee in the Premiership and the best referee we had, really. I don't understand the decision. Our, our premiership referees, this is, the, this is the thing you need to work out. Our premiership referees, are they contracted differently from RFU referees? Because do the RFU referees referee in the championship and other games, and do premiership rugby have their own list of referees? No, is JP Doyle like, yeah, we don't need you, mate, or is it, yeah, we don't need you for championship games? Well, it just says the RFU. So the the referees, I believe, are contracted to the RFU as opposed to Premiership Rugby. So they're I mean, supplied by and contracted by the RFU. Now, if that's the case, and JP Doyle's the only one to uh, to be let go, I mean, I'm not I'm not one to to put the cat amongst the pigeons, so to speak, a partridge amongst the pigeons, if you will. Um, but JP Doyle being a, being an Irishman and all the other English referees just being left on, you know, a bit of casual racism from the RFU. Wow. I know. I don't, be, and believe me, right. I don't believe that when I say it, but there'll be people out there thinking it 100%. I, there'll we, be people out there tweeting it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think Doug had it right the first time. We we just don't know. I mean, it, it might be that tomorrow he picks up a contract as a um, referee and consultant for World Rugby or something. Who knows? But it just seems a shame. He does a good job. We'll probably get some spotty little scrope coming up through the ranks now. Well, the the new the new referee of, of who's in vogue is that um, Christoph Ridley, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I I. I've seen a few times and I, I, I'm starting to believe that he really is he's heading down the road of that Australian ref who really likes their own... Ang- Angus, Angus Gardner. So, so so good he doesn't need a second No, isn't it Steve Walsh? He was the Kiwi. He was the original... Yeah, that, that, he was the original ref. one with the tattoos on his... Yeah, yeah. he was the original, the original big screen referee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think Ridley is, is in danger of going down that road. Um. Yeah. yeah, too many of them. Too many. He's of a good them. ref. Don't get me wrong. He's a he's a very good ref. Um, but I just feel that he can maybe just chill out on the old. Where where would we be without them? We wouldn't have a game without the referees, mate. As I got eloquently told, playing vets. Well, football. there is that, but there's also the argument that if you didn't have referees and you had to referee it yourself, maybe people would 
play fairer. Be, la- be less of a bunch of pricks. Yeah. Bit of self-policing. Love it. Um, so this week's uh, fixtures, Ben, you, you've mentioned uh, a couple of the lineups already. Uh, four, three games tomorrow, an early game, six o'clock. So there's absolute rugby fest on tomorrow. So six o'clock is uh, Sale versus Exeter. I'll be at a uh, under-11s cricket match. So I won't be able to watch that, unfortunately. But then Gloucester-Bristol following that at Kingsholm and, and Wasps versus Worcester. Uh, Saturday sees uh, three more Saracens-Quins, uh, London Irish versus Saints and Leicester-Bath. And that means there's no game on Sunday, which is a bit odd, but if they're all on telly, who cares? Um, any other rugby-related stuff you guys want to want to talk about? Um, yeah, talk amongst yourselves for like 30 seconds and I'll come back with it. Oh, right. This, this should be interesting. Um, and we all know dead air is a crime, Ben. So it is a crime. We need to, uh, to move through this quite quickly. Well, um, if we talk about kits again, yes, the, uh, I quite, I quite controversially like the, uh, Leicester away one that they're going to be wearing next year. With the rainbow sleeves. I quite like that. Have you seen yes. that? Yes, I have. Oh, what have we got here? Um, oh, excellent Chiefs for change, right? Just looking on Twitter. Um, effective immediately, the hashtag Chiefs have banned fans from wearing headdress or American Indian-themed face paint and are engaged in a thorough review process of the Arrowhead shop, amongst other changes. Now, that's not what you might think. That is the Kansas City Chiefs. In America, mm. not the Extra Chiefs, um, but the the Extra Chiefs, the Change Group, have uh, have put another one down. Extra Chiefs, are you paying attention yet? Uh, chances are no, because they don't really care. Um, well, I think personally, I think Exeter would be well served to ban all of those things, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So um, I don't know. How much sway Kansas City Chiefs have got with Exeter Chiefs? Probably not a lot, but um, it, it'd be interesting if they do it because they've already got rid of some stuff, I believe. Now, uh, now Doug has returned. Uh, I, I might take a photo of this for, for Twitter purposes. Um, <laughs> do you want he, me to get closer to the camera? If you want to get closer to the camera, you can. Um, Doug is sporting a very fetching, oh, very fetching... Uh, Jamaican bobsleigh team face mask. <laughs> <laughs> You're correct, so, Russ. It is the Jamaican bobsleigh team. So, so hold on a bit. You're uh, you're wearing you are wearing uh, you are both now wearing face masks for things that you love. Uh, Doug is a Northampton Saint, and Ben is wearing a uh, cowhide face mask. <laughs> It, it's actually, by the way, from Oddballs. Um, oh, right. And when it arrived, I realised quite literally half a pair of pants. It is. It's, it's half a half <laughs> a brief. Half a pair of pants. Half, half <laughs> That's a brief. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Hopefully, they haven't been tested. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming that's uh, Northampton Saints, not the Jamaican Bobsleigh team. Yeah, so. 
um, I just, you know, uh, we'll find out how my paymasters uh, feel about me sporting clearly biased uh, team wear at games. Um, but, you know, I thought it was quite nice. And that is actually the same design as the new Saints kit, which is absolutely banging if you haven't seen it already. Oh, good. Travis Perkins. Proper, um, proper. They've gone back to Travis Perkins and they've gone back to full hoops and it is pretty, pretty good. That's two really nice kits in a row from um, Macron. Who, who, but, Macron? Yep. Emmanuel um, unfortunately, Macron. Kit. I, I, yeah, unfortunately, they, they seem to have gone into, got a habit of releasing a kit every year, which I don't like, uh, but that's the way of the world now, mate. That's the way of the world, unfortunately. I, I, I always remember like the kits used to be sort of two years, didn't they? They, the government sort of brought in a thing that said they had to be for two years, but yeah, government don't care. They're more worried about other stuff. I think. Well, um, like people dying and stuff. Is is it this one, Doug? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nice. a proper Saints kit, right? Yeah. It's really nice, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, where are you this weekend? I Doug? think it's been universally agreed upon that it's a really nice kit. So, oh, good. where are you this weekend, sporting your Northampton Saints face? Uh, tomorrow, I'm playing golf at uh, 7:40 a.m. and then I'm travelling to the hallowed ground of the Rico <laughs> Arena for Wasps against. Oh, you got Worc- Worcester the again. The Wasps are playing. Yeah, Worcester. And then yeah, I'm accusations doing accusations of Worcester fans. Where are you Saturday? Oh, I'm doing. Sadly, I'm. Well, I say sadly, I'm actually really looking forward to it. Doing British Superbikes on Saturday at Snetterton. So oh. I, mean, I would have been at Saracens Quins, but I'm I'm doing bikes instead. I but then saw. I am. Like... A, um, sorry, mate. I'm no, on. on the on the Wednesday. I'm at Saracens. Oh, nice. Got games coming thick and fast now, mate. Sat, sat, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Wednesday, um, and then Sunday, Exeter, and then Monday, London Irish, and then Friday, Worcester. What, <laughs> it's what's, like what's the Wednesday game, Doug? Wednesday, there's three games on actually for for the games that I sort of look after. There's Saracens, Gloucester. Worcester Harlequins and Leicester v London Irish and, and Saints Bath. So Saints Bath will be the BT game. Yeah, uh, so, like the, the the BT facilitated game. Um, I look after the other games that aren't on BT, so I'm doing the other three. They're all six o'clock kickoffs. So, so that's why there's no Sunday game. Yeah, because yeah. they're playing on a Wednesday. Yeah, clever. Um, and uh, the team selections are going to get a bit fruity. They are. They're gonna be. Yeah. They are gonna be extremely fruity. Um, you mentioned superbikes there, just randomly, and I don't watch motorcycle motorcycle racing whatsoever. But I saw oh, one of the see most the, yeah, that was gonna crashes. be my any other business. Sorry. Oh, sorry, yeah. mate. No, you will. Let's let's get into that now because we're gonna go any other business from now yeah. anyway. So, um, yeah, you talk about that. So, if anyone hasn't seen it, I mean, it's been all over Twitter because it's been. I mean, it was just me and my me and my dad have. Well, obviously, my dad's watched. MotoGP or Grand Prix motorbikes, as it as it was known for decades. I've been going to the GPs since the eighties. The luckiest thing I've ever seen happen on a, on a on a motorbike or motor racing track. Valentino Rossi, if you don't know, he there was a crash in front of him several years ago with a bloke called Marco Simoncelli. Simoncelli came off the bike and Rossi really 
could just couldn't avoid him and his front wheel hit the guy in the Swede and killed him. Just killed him stone dead. And this Simoncelli guy was a, a, like a really popular guy. And then, so at the Red Bull ring in Austria, uh, a little bit of a touch, two bikes uh, sort of behind Rossi and his teammate Vinales just touched uh, sort of 200. What people don't understand is the, these, this is the, that championship is like the formula one of motorbikes. So they're complete prototypes. They're the fastest motorbikes you'll find in the world. 220 miles an hour bloke falls off bike goes screaming into the barrier stays upright the bloke falls off it the bike stays upright bit like a horse horse going you know just running free when the rider comes off hits the barrier somersaults over vinales in front of rossi and the other guy's bike goes between rossi and vinales and there is less than a bike's width and the, as it passes these guys. And if you see the onboard footage, it's just incredible that how it didn't kill both of them, because because Rossi is like the biggest star in Formula One, he's like the Lewis Hamilton of motorbikes, basically. The, the Vinales thing sort of been overlooked. But quite easily, if those guys had got to that corner half a second earlier, there would have been two deaths. It's just incredible. If you haven't seen it, I uh, go and have a look. Just type in Rossi Crash Austria, and it will be, um, it it will be right there. It's it's terrifying, honestly. And I work on bikes, and I've had bikes crash underneath me, and they look like little paperweights. They they don't look like anything. Until you hear one and see one crash in front of you. So I had a bike crash literally from me, maybe two meters in front of me, hit a foam barrier. You hear it skid along the floor like a really (coughs) where it's sort of on the concrete. Then it goes quiet when it goes under the grass. And then there's just this heart, a ton of, I I don't even know how much they weigh, but they weigh a lot, hitting and then you appreciate just how fast and how violent the crashes are. It's just lunacy that that didn't kill anyone. Um, but it's also what makes motor, motorbike racing one of the most exciting sports in the world. <laughs> because that yeah. kind of shit can any any time. Utterly, utterly mental. Mental. Yeah. I've just I've just retweeted it for people that wanted to uh, wanted to see it. But the way that. The way those the two bikes come across, yeah, almost simultaneously, yeah. and is and this, uh, this guy's been ri- riding bikes since he was a kid, literally eight years old. I mean, you it see, goes. You saw him in the garage after it happened because the race was red flagged, and he was like looking at his his crew chief, just like, holy shit! Yeah, like, that, that, that was too. That good. had my number. That that was. You know, and he's he's reached the end of his career. He's like right there, ready to retire. It's like that kind of thing makes you reassess what you're doing. Fucking but then, hell. ten minutes later, he goes out and restarts the race. <laughs> you know, absolute it's, yeah, it's plums every, of steel. It's almost like every time I watch it, that those bikes get closer. It's yeah. really odd. Yeah, check it out. It's it's the weirdest thing. Um, Ben, any other business for you? Um, I don't know if I can follow that, but um, just uh, this week, been watching Line of Duty from the start. 
um and uh the first series i guess is 10 years old and it kind of flew under the radar a little bit and i don't remember it being as good as it was um so having watched that we uh ate up season two in about 20 26 hours or something daft like that um it's just a brilliant series and uh it just shows you that there's some gems on iplay you don't have to go onto netflix or amazon all the time um just been watching the fall as well which is really good so um yeah bbc keep them coming line of duty listen here sunny jim oh what a guy hastings is my total favorite he's so good <laughs> oh wow um, like the battle <laughs> <laughs> um my idea of the business is going to be a little bit about me um well, it's a surprise. It's all yeah. about you, and it's it, all about me. Everything's about Russ. So, uh, those of you who listen regularly will know that uh, I've, I've started taking golf a bit seriously, and I won a competition. And, sorry, and those that know anything about or play golf or watch it's golf, um, will know that there's a a couple of guys called Piers and Andy who do a channel called Me and My Golf on YouTube. And they, they're like the original sort of internet coaches, I think. Um, and they've got a website. And anyway, Me and My Golf is, is extremely popular all over the world. They do videos with McElroy and Johnson and Rahm and like, you name it, they've, they've done a video with them. And I was fortunate enough to win a competition to have a golf lesson with them um, a couple of weeks ago. And it went live on their YouTube channel um, yesterday. I, uh, over 250 comments on their YouTube, shared on their Instagram. Why, why are you teaching Dan Cole golf? Why, yeah, why is Dan Cole playing golf? Um, who is this fat Wayne Rooney? Uh, I thought <laughs> Wayne Rooney had a, tra- a, a hair transplant. Um, but like 70, nearly 70,000 views on their YouTube, as I say, all over their social media. And I, I have a, a coach who I who I go to at Nuki who helps me a lot. Um, and then obviously nothing to, to detract from the stuff that he's taught me and the stuff that we can work on. But to have an opportunity to work with those guys who, have, who do videos with the best golfers in the world was such a, a real experience. And to see like the production value that goes into producing all of the stuff that they do. Um, obviously, Doug will have a lot more a bit like multiple camera angles everything's all mic'd up um unfortunately for me everything's mic'd up and my heavy nasal breathing um <laughs> and general unfitness uh is is coming to the fore but it was it was a great day um check out me and my golf if you don't already uh the youtube is is free and you'll see uh, a video with me on it it's about 20 minutes long and uh you see an absolute stripe show come at the end <laughs> and uh and i'm now down to down to 13 13 shots on a handicap so there you go absolute winner um right tell what wasn't a winner your waistline in that shirt mate oh really not for you under duress mate under duress that t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> bit rude all my golf all my golf attire is is entirely flexible me and my golf and my gut <laughs> me, me, me and my golf and my gut like well played we've all, um, we've all had three weeks on eat out to help out i think it's it's yeah, a struggle yeah. for everyone isn't it 
<laughs> yeah, I, I was just about to say, I've lost a little bit of weight, but yeah, you won't believe me anyway. Um, right, let's get out really of here. Notice, mate. Uh, <laughs> so <right>. much. <laughs> <laughs> just a fucking drop in the ocean, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a prick. Um, on that note, let's get out of here. Um, we'll probably see you again next week. Um, obviously, there's like there's action coming thick, thick and fast. What I want to do, and I know we kind of mentioned this, I don't know whether it was on the pod or off the pod, is to try and do some kind of like watch along. Like we'll do a live. We'll try and do something live. Why don't you do it with it. your mates, Piers and Andy? <laughs> I, think I think they're busy, mate. I think Piers is a bit of a belter as well, to be honest. Let's hope he doesn't listen. My my favorite my favorite thing about that was that um, and Andy really tries to hide his brummy accent. <laughs> Unbelievable! I will saying. not hear a, I will not hear a bad word said about either of those. No, I'm sure they're great guys. Great guys, better than you two anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do a podcast with them? Yeah, <laughs> might well do. Right, um, have fun, go well at the weekend, enjoy your rugby, enjoy uh, whatever it is you're doing, and we will see you at some point next week. Yeah, just, 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 uh, just before you uh, tell people to go well, um, thanks for listening to us when you know, you're know you being sucked in by Andy Goode and all those lot and everyone else, and you probably listen to the Egg Chasers. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us, because I know that there's a lot of stuff out there. So we appreciate each and every one of you. Oh, that's a real heartfelt message from the lens. Especially the Matt. Especially Matt. You love Matt and he yeah. loves you. Yeah. Um, he'll really enjoy that, Ben. And uh, <laughs> if you've got this far... He'll hashtag, stop listening by this point. Hashtag... Uh, especially Matt. Especially Matt. Or, <laughs> or, or hashtag me, uh, me and my gut. See <laughs> <laughs> how so it goes. The, um, the really, the really unpopular sequel to Marley and Me. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, my gut, and it's and and it, we're not talking about probiotics either. <laughs> right. Anyway, we'll speak to you next week at some point. Go well. Go well. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.